This morning, we'll continue the series on the letter of James, and our scripture reading will be the verses 1 through 12, and we'll follow that with the text from the verses 13 through 18. The first part of this letter speaks about the, the trials that we face in life and the way in which the Lord is testing our faith. And then flowing from that is the text this morning which talks about the temptations that come also in how we deal with the trials that are placed on our lives. So it's not a sermon on temptations in general, but within the context of this letter. Listen to the word of our God, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And here begins the text. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures so far. And after the sermon, we will sing hymn 63, the stanzas 7 and 8. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, every Christian knows from experience that the life of a believer is not without trials and difficulties. Trials come upon us because the Lord is testing the genuineness 
of our faith? Are we prepared to put into practice what we know from Scripture and what we believe on that basis? Trials are not pleasant. And, that, and yet they are good for our spiritual growth and maturity, drawing us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are very much an indication of God's grace. For the Lord in mercy does not deal with us as our sins and rebellious hearts deserve, but in his love, he refines us and prepares us for glory. Trials are God's way of reminding us not to cling to the things of this world because our citizenship is in heaven. Now we need to pray for the wisdom to see God's hand in trials, troubles, testing, and tribulation. Otherwise, we will be tempted to look at life and what we experience too humanly. We become fixated on trying to figure out what went wrong in our life and what is going on in our lives today from an earthly perspective. Oh, it is never easy to confess God is great and God is good when undergoing severe pain, suffering, discomfort, and intense grief. And it's not surprising or wrong that during such times we wrestle with God's purpose and plan. You see that in, for example, a psalm like we sang, Psalm 10. But here's the thing. When testing is meant, met with patience and endurance, that will lead to maturity in faith. As we learn to put our trust in Christ, to turn to Him for help and strength. But when testing is met with selfish desires, it leads to sin. And this is why James warns us not to be deceived, to follow a path of our own making. When we have lost control of what we thought was in our hands, we are going down a slippery and dangerous path if we let resentment and bitterness and anger well up within our souls. We need to take ourselves in hand. If we, with a smidgen of self-pity, begin to question why me or why us, for if I only consider for a few moments the dire straits of so many people in this world, the better question is, why not me? What is there that I am entitled or deserve to have what I have and now miss? The Father of lights with whom there is no shadow due to change, from whom proceeds every good and perfect gift, in whom there is no evil and tempts no one, does not owe us good things any more than to those who suffer for Christ's sake throughout their life. 
In fact, it would be more appropriate that the Lord would ask me questions to put me in my place. For example, he could say, so you were asking, how can a good God allow suffering and evil? But let me ask you the same. How can it be that you, as human beings in the 21st century, allow what you do? Why are you so preoccupied with your own little world when thousands of children are dying every minute in your world of preventable diseases that you have the means but obviously not the will to stop? How can you allow this? There are millions dying of starvation while you are constantly falling into bad eating habits. You complain loudly about things that inconvenience you. But you don't seem to have any qualms. Knowing that billions have less per day to live on than you spend at Tim Hortons for a coffee. Why doesn't that seem to bother you? There are more people in slavery now than in the worst days of the pre-abolition slave trade. How can you allow women to be exploited through pornography? To be abused by men in the name of religion? And when have I heard you cry out for justice for your Christian brothers and sisters who are murdered, maimed, ambushed by thugs? whose churches are attacked, burned, and destroyed. These are the things you allow to happen. Yes, even you who say you believe in me. Well, with all of this buzzing through our heads, isn't it wonderful and encouraging to read the words of our text? For when we are assaulted by temptation, when there are forces trying to persuade us to doubt, discourage, demoralize, and dishearten us, the Lord Jesus, as the loving shepherd of his sheep, cautions and warns us, don't go there. Don't be deceived. Don't take that bait. Don't yield to any thought of your heart that will lead you to question the goodness of the Lord. Now, as we move along with this message, it is important for us to know the difference between trials and temptations. Whereas trials draw us closer in our walk with the Lord, temptations distract us and divert our attention from the Lord. If a trial becomes a temptation, it is sinful human natures that make it so. It is noteworthy that James does not say, let no one say if he is tempted, but let no one say when he is tempted. That's the reality we face. James doesn't say, well, if you trust in the Lord and pray hard for wisdom to face life's sorrow and frustrations, you will never doubt or question or have fear 
You will not question the purpose and the perfect ways of the Lord, and you will be temptation-free. No, all of us face temptations, and they are most intense when confronted with trials. Satan, this world, and our own sinful hearts drop the bait, tempting us to follow a wrong direction. Temptation takes us off the road the Lord had designated for us to walk in this life. And anything that distracts us from serving the Lord with an undivided heart is a temptation. Temptation offers us a way that seems to provide better solutions than found in Scripture. But in the end, it leads to death and not to life. And what we need to keep in mind is that temptation never ever comes from the Lord. God never solicits us to sin. That would be a complete denial of His very nature. Why would the Lord, whose very character is good, tempt us to do something that is evil? We are to take full responsibility when we yield to temptation. The reason we give in to temptation lies within our own sinful hearts. That is where it is conceived. And these things are impressed on our hearts in these verses of James 1. Through the instruction given to us in the verses of our text, the Lord gets us to the place temptation, gets us to place temptation under the microscope of his word to dissect, observe, Analyze its character, force, and power. Now when we place temptation under the microscope of God's word, we observe five things about its character. And the first thing we notice is this. The reason why we yield to temptation lies squarely with our own desires. It makes no sense. It is nonsense to throw blame at God when faced with difficulties in life, in whatever form. The Lord who created all things good is not the cause of evil. He does not bring trials on our path with evil intent. He loves, cares, and seeks to save you from your sins, not to destroy you. Do you really think that God has brought the trials we face today Because he is handing us a raw deal? Hardly. You and I know better. He brings them in our lives to refine and purify us, but never to destroy us. It's when our own sinful and selfish desires get in the way and do not line up with God's purpose that we are tempted to follow the dictates of our own hearts. We're tempted to think about life, God, and others in ways that we shouldn't. The Lord never puts such pressure upon you and me through trials that we cannot help but make wrong choices or come to wrong conclusions and decisions. Instead, he sent Jesus to deliver us from it. 
Paul writes to the Corinthians, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Did you hear that? God is faithful. The way of escape is in Christ. In the redemption and the renewal of our life in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. That is how we are able to endure. James could not state it any clearer. The reason why temptations gain a grip in our lives is because we are lured and enticed by our own sinful desires. We are inclined to put the blame for all wrong where it does not belong. We need to realize it is our own heart that acts as a dictator. And when we feel entitled to a good life, to material, physical, emotional well-being, free from pain and hurt and suffering, trials will upset us and lead us to wrong conclusions about who God is, about our place in this world as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So that's the first thing. And in the second place, we are to be aware that we are only tempted by the things we find attractive. We're lured and enticed by our own desires. We're not drawn away, lured, or enticed by things that don't do anything to us. If we want out of life, pleasure, financial security, our rights and freedom, then we will fall for the lure that tempts us to pursue those things and we will be dragged away from the things that are of primary importance. We may be so deceived that we dress it up with a beautiful coat of pious-sounding phrases. We're lured and enticed. Temptation is like a bait. The bait not only attracts us, but it also hides the fact that yielding to the desire will eventually bring sorrow, punishment, and even death. And since our vision is skewed by what we want, we end up asking wrong questions and fail to ask a very basic question. What does God and His Word have to say about this? The third thing we note about temptation is this. When we are tempted, we become preoccupied with the things that are distracting us from serving Christ. Once what is tempting you takes up residence in your heart, it is hard to tell it to leave. Once it has entered into your mind, you are in great danger of letting it dictate your actions, reactions, and interactions with others. You no longer see what God is doing in your life as His way of shaping and molding you for His glory. But you get absorbed in those things 
that are to alleviate your pain or take away your loneliness or solve your problems or that will get you back to where you were before as soon as possible. And is that not the great danger of our times? We are constantly looking for things that will fix our problems and allow everything to run the way we want. We become preoccupied with finding our own solutions to everything. We run to earthly saviors who give us what we think we need. And closely tied to this is the fourth characteristic of temptation. Once it takes hold of your life, it conceives sin. Desire and temptation get intimate and conceive sin. And once they have conceived sin, the fifth thing is sure to happen. They do not give birth to life, but death. They take the joy out of everything and make life miserable. It does not bring peace, but unrest. Well, having identified the five deadly characteristics of temptation, we also need to be aware of when we are most vulnerable to yield to the powerful magnet of temptation. If you and I are not close to the word of truth, if we are not drawn by the magnetic pull of the Holy Spirit who pulls us closer to the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God, we will be defenseless against the power of temptation. Actually, we give ourselves away, don't we? We are not close enough to the word to allow its positive force to draw us nearer to God. We become polarized to continue using the analogy because we are no longer pulled toward Christ and his people. Other forces are controlling us. Brothers and sisters, as we come to understand the character of temptation, may it give us reason to pause and to pray that we may not be taken off course or drawn away but that we should clearly see the need for Christ's saving work. Jesus Christ has redeemed us by his blood. He gives us his spirit and word to keep us from the lure of temptation. And through the power of the spirit, he gives us all the tools we need to know what is right, to think what is right, to do what is right. Temptation comes to us with modest and seemingly innocent proposals. But always be on guard against its real intentions. The result will only be death and ruin. Verse 15 says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You see, when temptation is brought into contact with our, with our desires, it conceives sin. Did you ever think of that? Sinful desire and temptation have a grandchild. 
But there is no joy associated with this birth when the child of sin that temptation and desire conceived grows up, it gives birth to death. Beloved, when you are tempted to doubt, rebel, and raise an angry fist against God, turn to Christ. Take up your cross and follow the Lord Jesus who resisted all temptation to deliver you from evil. And Christ is able to sympathize with all your weaknesses because in all his trials and sufferings, he was tempted as you are. Why do you think he was fervent in prayer in the hour he was tempted? In his human nature, he was tempted to follow a direction that would have kept him from trials, hatred, and the suffering of the cross. Christ had to withstand many temptations that came from the devil and from those who were dear to him. But Jesus never allowed temptation to take hold of him since it was his heart's desire to do his Father's will in everything. Well, let me conclude with three things we need to know. <clears throat> and before you start thinking, wow, he's a minister and he managed to keep the sermon short. To work our way through these three parting thoughts will take more than 30 seconds. It's like the Apostle Paul writing finally and then taking a few chapters to get to his conclusion. Moving away from this distracting little soliloquy, what then are the three things you and I need to know? The first, know the tactics of the opposition. Don't be driven by impulse, but see through the deception of temptation. Don't be deceived and let temptation play with your desires, feelings, and emotions. Don't let what is distracting you from serving Christ share the same room with you because temptation is not a friend of God, but an enemy of his purposes. And the more you and I are gripped and enthralled by love for the Lord Jesus, the less power temptation will have over us because our gaze is fixed on him. And in the second place, to avoid giving in to temptation, you need to be absolutely convinced of the goodness of the Lord. The tactic of the evil one is to deceive especially when faced with trials, and to make me then think that God is never good or rarely good or not good at all when I need him most. But James wants us to know that the Lord is always good and certainly good in my greatest time of need. I will always come short if I give in to temptation and struggle under the weight of wrong desires. But what I need, my good God provides. James assures me that every good we need is in and from, from the Lord. And that is why he writes 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Yes, even in the midst of trials, the Lord gives gifts to us so that we might be able to press forward in faithfulness to Him. And the gifts of God are life and light. And they are perfect gifts for us. His gifts are good in that we never have to wonder whether God is doing something that will ruin us. I do not need to second guess God's gifts to me. They are there even in our darkest hour. He will supply me with all I need for every circumstance. And this is why my eyes are to be on the Lord in my struggles, because He is wholly reliable. God is good. His character is not like that of temptation and sin that give birth to death. No, He gives us rebirth through the word of truth. The work of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit display the goodness of the Lord in living colors. The song the school children have learned this year says it this way. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good. God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ, our hope in life and death. Beloved, in harmony with his gracious desires, God intervenes <clears throat> and through the conception of the Holy Spirit brings forth life, new life in Christ. He changes us through the word of truth so that we should be a kind of first fruit, that we should be the first indication of what he is doing to us in this world to restore and renew creation to the luster and glory of <clears throat> creation. Today, too, God is doing a glorious work through those he is shaping and purifying through the fire of trials. He sets apart those he renews as a kind of first fruit, as the first to show the evidence of his good and gracious work. Those he takes through trials are a kind of first fruit, indicating God will make all things new and perfect. And in the third place, <clears throat> as a child of God, I need to know and be convinced of the transforming power of the gospel, of the word of truth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. What's my problem when I yield to temptation? 
I have forgotten who I am in Christ and how God is working in my life and in the life of his people through the word of truth. My dear brothers and sisters, when faced with trials and temptations, may the first words that come to your mind be what James says when concluding this topic. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Know for certain the, the Father of the heavenly lights is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And may the words that come just prior to where our text began encourage you to stay focused on God. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen.